Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our Truth Partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a Truth Partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. Uh, but Matthew chapter 6, if you turn with me, scroll with me, Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 31. It says, do not worry, saying, what shall we drink? Eat, what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first. Everybody say, seek first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you as well. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today. We kick off this holy week, putting you first, trusting in your timing, leaning in your word today. We cry, Hosanna, hallelujah. We are thankful that you entered into this place triumphantly this morning. We worship you today. We worship you along with our online audience. We worship you with our pastors watching online. We thank you for them. And we worship with our Spring Lake Park campus today. And we give you all the glory for what you are about to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was thinking about firsts. And... Um, Thinking about all the firsts that we are experiencing now with uh, our two-and-a-half-year-old uh, that you know of. It was his first uh, time eating a bunch of snow. First uh, words, first steps. We, we try to capture it on video, try to get everything. And his first word um, that we, we made out clearly, it's disputed in our household, but I, I believe it was Daddy. And I thought about it, and I had a theory about that. I had a theory about it because I can probably see, uh, I can, I can kind of compute in my mind, I don't know the etymology and the word origins uh, of, of a lot of things in our complicated English language, but I, I can probably see how um, the, a toddler or an infant starting to say mama or mommy can, can connect and correlate with them trying to say mother. Right, the word is mother, and they're trying, so they come up with that version of it. I don't really see how dada or daddy correlates with father. I think it just so happened to be the easy thing that babies just started saying, and dads jumped in and claimed it as, oh, what they're trying to say is father, and we literally had them babies make up a word for us so that we could be the first words that they said, because otherwise it makes no sense. 
I think they're literally still in gibberish mode, but we have now as a, as a society and a culture made the word daddy out of what babies said first so that we could claim it. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our truth partners. If you're interested in being a truth partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select truth partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you. It's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the word. That's my theory. But he's getting ready to do his, uh, have his very first haircut for Easter week. You know, he'll be styling. And, um, you know, my wife doesn't like this part of the conversation, but soon it'll be his first day at school. You know? Not too far out after that, knowing my family, he'll get his first facial hair. <laughs> and eventually, he'll have his first car. Anybody had their children go through that phase and, or remember even your first car in that moment you had? And, and you get, it's, it's a first. It's a big, big deal. I remember my first car, 1996 dark gray Honda Passport SUV. Now, this thing was, was big. It was the biggest vehicle on my high school parking lot. And so I felt like the man. Plus, we had the subwoofers in the back, so you could hear me down the block. That's how we rolled in those days. Got the system. Young and creative don't know nothing about that. We used to, at the turn of the century, y'all remember this? That's how we rolled. You hear it like a bomb go off in the neighborhood when that bass drops. That's how, we, that's how we did it. And my car, I remember this car. It was a hand-me-down, you know. At first, it was my, my mom's. And uh, she got it new. And she, my mom is a very conservative driver. So it was well-maintained and, um, and, and in really good condition. But then before it got to me, it passed through a year of my brother driving it. And my brother is not as conservative of a driver. Speed limit? Speed suggestion. Be careful on ice? Drift on ice. It was the kind of driving that only a couple decades later can we even confess that that's the way he was driving with my mom's vehicle uh, and let her know today. But um, so by the time I got it in my hands, it was, you know, I had some issues. It had gone through some things. It was to the point where I had to actually have the steering wheel like this far away in order for it to go straight. Anybody had a car like that before? And you, you just knew it. No one else could drive it. They'll get jacked up. But I knew it. And I just knew if I want to go straight, I just got to twist it just a little bit. I didn't know much about cars or about mechanics and any, anything like that, but I did know, I learned that that meant the wheels were out of alignment, right? And if the wheels were in alignment, we'd, we'd go straight. But anybody ever test it? You kind of feel like something's off with your car a little bit, so you find this straight away. There's not a lot of traffic, and you kind of let go just a little bit just to see, am I crazy here? Is this thing pulling? And if it, if it pulls to the side, you know something's wrong with the wheels, Right? You'll find out that there's a misalignment going on. And the car can look great else, 
elsewhere. The, the, the body of it can look shiny and waxed and clean and the wheels and we put that little tire shine on it to make sure that, you know, you got all that going on. The inside can look really good and you got that new car smell from the car wash and you've detailed it and wiped down the dash and, and it could be really good, it could seem really good, but still veer off track if the first part, the, fr- the front wheels aren't aligned. If the first of the car, which is the part that you often don't see, is underneath, you can't just tell from the outside, but something is off track with this thing. When the first parts of your life are out of alignment, not just you, but all of your passengers in this life that you're bringing with you start to veer off track. And it doesn't matter how the rest of the car is. a song, a popular artist, you guys know who it is, a few years ago came out with a song called Closed on Sunday, a little ode to Chick-fil-A, and a statement being made about priorities, that there are some people still who reserve Sunday, businesses who reserve Sunday as the first part of their week to say, we're not doing anything else, we're giving it to the Lord. And the Bible talks a little bit about that in the commandments. It talks about honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, let's just clear something up. Technically, the original Sabbath was Saturday. Saturday means Sabbath day. And Saturday was your traditional Jewish day to stop working for the week and, and take a rest. And because six days God worked and he created and on the seventh day he rested and so to honor that whole piece of creation we rest on the seventh day and if you look at the calendar our traditional western calendar built around that concept where the last day of the week is saturday and then the first day of the week the new testament christians started a tradition and it's found in acts where they said on the first day of the week Not the last day. That was the Sabbath. They already rested. On the first day of the week, they gathered together in the temple, and they worshiped together as a body of believers. And then they spent the rest of the week breaking bread in small groups. And that's how the church was designed. So they set apart the the last day of the week to rest and the the first day of the week to uh, be in God's house together like you guys are doing now, and and thus created the weekend, the two-day weekend that we now know. And the rest of the week, you're working. And today, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's said, we talk about the weekend, and in some cases, we, we, we honor the weekend, we do our thing on the weekend, we take a break on the weekend, we go to church on the weekend, we do these things on the weekend. But with so much of our culture, it's kind of a lost art of really having a weekend. We fill our weekends oftentimes, but sometimes more work. We replace honoring God's house sometimes with other things because it's the weekend. 
And, that, and that's something that's kind of gone off a little, a little off track because there's a priority on the first day of the week, according to the word of God, to give it to the Lord. Now, I've been going to Sunday service at church every single week unless I'm like, you know, in bed ill or out of town or whatever it is. Since I was 14 years old, since I was 14, gave my life to the Lord, and I, and I made it. Not because I knew that much of the Bible, not because I was super holy, not because I, I was better than anyone else, but I had a conviction that if God is God and he is my, my first, then I should give my first to him regularly. That should be part of my life, going to church on the first day of the week, starting off my week, going to church should be, it was just a conviction of mine. Since I was 14. And I've been doing that ever since. And, and, even my, uh, and that was challenged by the, by the world. It would be, be challenged a lot in the last uh, several years. Um, or even in the first few years. Because as a teenager, you go get a part-time job at um, some, some store, some restaurant, or something like that. And you go ahead with the, with the notion, because I'm a Christian, and I've set the standard that I'm going to not put my availability on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. That was like a conviction of mine. So I was available all these other times, around school or whatever it was, and I could work all kinds of shifts. I'll even work Sunday afternoon, but not Sunday morning. I, I just made that clear. But then there would come that day when enough people are out sick, and someone calls me in, one of the managers, and say, hey, I need you to come in on Sunday morning. And I would say, no, you don't. You don't need me to come in on Sunday morning. We have an agreement. Well, if you don't come in, you'll get written up. Uh, No, I won't, actually, because you and I have already set an agreement that you cleared and approved that this is the time I've decided I'm giving to the Lord. That's what we've done. Well, you're going to get written, and I would never get written up. Because they actually don't have the right to do that if you've cleared that kind of arrangement of availability. And I get teenagers coming to me, well, you know, my, my boss said I got to come in on Wednesday night. Uh, didn't you say that you weren't available Wednesday night? Yeah, but they said if I don't, just don't go. Just don't go. They really threaten teenagers. This is what they do. They threaten teenagers, make them feel like you can't put God first. You can't put that commitment first. And uh, they used to do that to me, and I was like, no, you got to. That's on you. you got to find someone else. I'll show up Sunday afternoon. I'll come right after church if you need me to. I'm, I'm willing to help. I just, this is what I've dedicated to the Lord. And, and I've also been tithing since my first job. Now, back then, if you remember, it was that, that paper check and that paper pay stub, and you had to go deposit that into the bank. There was no mobile app. to the, You had to go to the bank physically, and then you had to get your checkbook out, and then you had to write out, you had to go to the pay stub and see what the gross was. Because I understand, even then, that, yeah, I bring home this much, but that's all only because the government didn't give me a chance. They already decided they would take theirs. So that I never have the temptation to short them. God doesn't automatically take his, and we fall into the temptation often to short him. And the nation knew that. Right? So they're like, we're not even giving you a chance. You know, we're not, bringing, we're not having you come to a tax collector and bring your percent. We're just going to take it. Right? 
And so, uh, so I look at the gross because I actually want to give him really honestly my first 10% because that's actually what the word says. So I don't want to give him the leftover 10% after the government took theirs, even though they technically took it first. I'm still going to, in my heart, give it first. And so I go off the, the very top. What was that gross? And I calculate my big old calculator out and I calculate it. Then I write a check out. Then I fold it, put it in my wallet and bring it on Sunday. That's what we used to do. Now I just get on the phone and it's all done in a couple minutes, right? But I've been doing that since I was 15. And again, not because I was holier than anyone else or, or I knew more of scripture or anything. I just knew there was something in me, a conviction that we, we sing about Jesus being first. We talk about God being first. We, we say the word says he's first. And, and, and I felt like if he's really first, he should have the first. If he's really first, let me honor what he said. Even if anybody else challenges that. What do you do first in the morning? What's your first? What's, what do you do first in your week? What do you do first with your time? What do you do first with your, with your money? And there comes a point where if you're veering off, you have to take it to a mechanic and let them tell you honestly something underneath that you can't see is out of alignment. Even though it looks great, even though I can play church and play the Christian and play the minister even, something underneath the surface, and the mechanic just has to tell me the truth. And then I can decide, am I taking care of her or am I just going to live life driving like this the whole time? We have to dethrone whatever stands between you and God. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, may God, him, he tells us the priority. He says, may God himself... The God of peace sanctify you through and through. So he wants to sanctify us. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't know, we are three parts. We have a spirit, and that is uh, the breath of God in us that connects us to his spirit. We have our soul. That's our, mind, that's our innermost being. That's our heart of hearts. That is our mind, will, and our emotions. And then we have our body. That's what you see right here, the tangible flesh, that, that, that part that connects us to the world. And so we have, we have all three parts, and we're alive in all three parts in Christ. And when we get saved, our spirit has come alive. And all three is important. All three we got to take care of. All three we got to make sure it's healthy. And all three we got to provide for. And God knows that. But he gave us the order in which to do it. What I've often done is I've made what my body is saying first. Well, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I want McDonald's. Or whatever fleshly desire that we all know can lead us way far away from God. I, I put even my soul first because that's what the world tells us to do. What, do you, what are you feeling? What is your emotion saying? Your frustration? Make a decision on that. And I made decisions at major crossroads, crossroads in my life based on my feeling, based on even my intellect. First. And it's not that that's not important, but God gave us here the order Spirit, soul, body. So our before I go and make a decision on my own thoughts and my intellect and my emotions and what I'm feeling and what I want and what my flesh desires, have I asked God? Have I sought him? Have I sought the things of the spirit and let the spiritual uh, lead my, the rest of my decisions? 
before I sever that relationship, before I make that business deal, before I make that big purchase, before I um, decide to do that, before I take that job, before I even apply for that job, before I even desire to go anywhere, have I just asked my soul and my mind and my, my feelings and my flesh, or have I asked spirit first? Before I decide to leave that church, before I decide to join that church, have I asked the spirit first, or have I just gone on my feelings? Because those aren't little decisions. And God is giving us the order. What should come first? The Christian life is the life that says it's not me first. It's kingdom first. It's righteousness first. If you will say, not me first. If you will echo what Jesus spoke in the garden where he said, not my will. Because even Jesus had to... Right? He set the example, not my will, but your will. Do on earth as it's already done in heaven. Like it's have, have heaven come. To, you already made a decision about this, God, in heaven. Let me hear that and then do that on earth. Not what I feel like doing on earth. Let me just echo that in heaven. No matter how young, no matter what age you are, I decided these things, some of these things as a teenager, and I'm still working on all of my decisions trying to filter through what should be first. But I believe that God will bless you. Exodus 20, verse 1. God is getting ready to give us the Ten Commandments. But before he even starts on the commandments list, he makes a statement. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Has God brought anyone out of something in this house? Have you been brought out of something, something that used to hold you in bondage? And he's saying, even before I go to commandment number one, before I give you this list of commandments and you turn around and tell me I'm restricting you, you go and tell me that I'm making you not free because of all these rules, which is what a lot of people have done with the Ten Commandments. Before you, let me remind you, I am the Lord that has brought you out of slavery. I'm the one that freed you in the first place. I'm not doing this to restrict you or to hold you back. I'm doing this because you're free. Don't you forget it. Let us never go to God and say, all these rules, God, you're holding me back. I feel like I'm not free. He's, before he even said the first commandment, I am the Lord that brought you up out of slavery. And then he starts with number one. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Jeremy, Marius, why don't you run up here real quick? I need you guys. You're just standing right, right up here next to me. God is telling us his character first. And then, and then he's saying, I won't lead you into bondage. I'll lead you out. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. And it wasn't that God was trying to strong arm us and say, hey, listen, I'm jealous, which he is jealous. But he's not jealous out of an insecurity. He's like, please don't have any other God before me. You know, I just, I want to be your God. I know you, and sometimes you choose other gods, you know, but I want. He's not saying that because he, he needs it. He's saying it because he loves you. And that's how it works, right? So if you're, if you're, uh, you're, you guys face me just where you're at. 
turn and face me. If I have this relationship right here with God, and this is the relationship he wants, where this face-to-face, this early in the morning will I seek you, and beginning day, the beginning day of the week, I'm going to seek you, and before I go anywhere else, I'm going to, you are my God. Because a God is someone who, where he leads, I follow. Right, he's my master. Where, where, he, where he commands, I obey. Right? But then I have this amazing career. And I say, hey, career, come over here. And I need, I, I need you in my life. Man, God even gave you to me. And, and I bring you over here and I say, um, I, I kind of put you right here. And I say, listen, I need you. Uh, I need to check my schedule with you first before I commit to you. I need to check my account with you before I give to you. I, you're still my God. I still see you. Lord, I love you. Lord, you know my heart, but right now, like, this is so important to me. This is, like, what I need. I need this. And, and now I have put a God before God. And I, say, and I say, well, I don't have any little Buddha statues, and I don't burn incense to anything else in my house. I have no idols, and I don't have other gods. Why are you even saying this, God? Like, you know us. We don't, we, we're Christians. We wear cross necklaces and everything. I don't have any other. But he's saying, no, you don't understand. There's so many things that sometimes you just let, and it's easy to do, and you just let it become. Uh, sometimes it's that friend. I go through a crisis in life. I go through a, a, a turmoil in life, and I pick up my phone, and I, I need advice. I need, I need your advice. I need, I, I, I want to talk this through with you. And, uh, yeah, God, I'll call you, I'll call you too uh, tomorrow on the prayer call uh, when it's time. But right now, you're my, who are you calling first? Some people put that job. Some people put money. I know I'm supposed to tithe. But Lord, right now, some people put that hobby. I have my golf life. Now, this is important. And Lord, I know I'm behind on my tithes, but this new golf set, these golf clubs, I needed. I mean, I needed them. Because I have to get better at my game with my buddies. And I'll get back to you. I know I will. You know my heart. You know my heart. You're still my God. And God's like, yeah, but I'm not. You, you've put another God before me. I'll get to you. I will. And I do. But I've put something before in some of the decisions in my life. That's what this world has done with, with uh, student sports. I'm not saying don't play sports. I'm not saying that. My kid is probably going to play some sports. He's going to be in the NBA one day probably. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was, I've been advised by my pastors and mentors, hey, sign him up for stuff, but don't sign him up for something that will consistently take him out, out of the house of the Lord. Occasionally, okay, because sometimes you got that one championship game, you got that one play you got to go to, and that one thing, and okay, cool, a couple times a year, you miss that Wednesday, you miss that Sunday, you travel, whatever, and that's okay. But if you get to the place where I have now taught my son that even though we love God and we're a Christian household, I have, uh, before I go put that on the schedule, I put this on the schedule. And I didn't ask. 
Imagine if every decision we had, every decision we made, even last week, imagine if we had to qualify that decision before we said it with God said. And then we can't just say that. We have to now because we know that God never uh, contradicts his words. So everything that God says should be lined up with his words. So not only do we have to say God said, but now we have to go find a scripture that can align with what we said God said. And before we even can make the decision, how many decisions have we made that we would have to go undo? Because we have not gone through that. Because we didn't ask him first. We asked ourselves first. We asked our friend first. We went and we got the hottest New York Times bestseller self-help book and consulted that first. And I read the Bible too. I, you know, I get to my Bible study, but this book is changing my life. Oh my gosh, everything is, I need, it told me I need to set my hours like this and I do this like this and I need to start putting my money away like this. And I, oh man, this is the book. And it's not that it's bad. It's just that it doesn't have its place. I need to have this place over here and it's, and it's right there. And I say, God first. God first, let me get into your word first, and then let me add a supplement to that. Let me be in your house first and have an order in your church, and then I might add supplement YouTube channels and scriptures and books to that. Let me go to you for financial advice, and then my financial advisor. Come on. Preach. Come on. Let me go to you when it comes to relationships. When it comes to dating, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to even divorce. Let me go to you first and say, would you see what do you say? What do you say? Where can I find it? Where can I find it from you before I go to any other counselor? Not that they're not in my life. See, God didn't say don't do it. God said, what do you eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? That is important. And he knows we need it. But he said, seek first the kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He didn't say we don't need it. He's not even blaming us for wanting it. So you can be free that you want financial advice and you want relationship advice and you want to read that book and you want to have resources in your life and you want to have things and you want to have food, clothing, and shelter. You can be relieved. That's not against God. God is saying, I want you to have that. I know you have that, but I don't want you to chase that first. That's what the world does. It'll come. Because if I do it the other way, then I got to go to this job when I need a healing. If I do it the other way, and I got to go to this job when I need a deliverance. I need to go to this source when I need some wisdom. And I need some help. I need to go to this to provide for me what only he can provide for me. And, he's, he, and, and it's, sometimes it's just a, a lack of trust. Because sometimes I don't see you. I don't understand the way you work. I don't really get it. So I'm going to figure it out myself. And I'm going to get this. This is what everybody told me to do. This is what everybody told me to make sure I have an income and I have supplies and I have everything I need and I have food on my table. And I got to do that. I got to have food on my table. I got I to be able to do this. This is so important to me. I got to have health. I got to have retirement plans. I got to have all these things. And that's all good. And he knows. But he said, I actually own the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm actually the one that all the earth is mine. 
Everything that's in there, all the riches, all the resources, everything I already have it. So if you get me first, if you get me first, then all these things will be added. You guys can sit down. I was talking with a, with a group of, of youth pastors, veteran youth pastors. This is a national uh, conference call that, that we just had. And I got to talk to some legends in youth ministry, some people who preached around the world and planted churches and built youth ministries. I'm, I'm leaning in, I'm asking. And one of the biggest questions that came up among all the youth pastors around the nation to some of these like veterans in the game, they said, well, what's, what have you found to be the best night for youth group? That's one of the biggest issues. What's the best night to host youth group? Because it used to be Wednesday, like that's tradition. It used to be Wednesday, but now there's so many families that come and say, well, we can't do Wednesday. If you did Thursday, we might be able to do Thursday. Oh, we can't do Thursday. If you did, And what we found at Creative is that any night we try to host, we played with a couple of days. Any night you try to host, somebody's going to have a conflict. So at some point, you just got to land on the day and hope they come. At some point, you got to say, God, what do you want to do? And then let everyone decide. Yeah, if you want to serve Baal, if you want to serve another God, okay. But as for me in my house. And again, I'm not saying never miss. I'm not saying go 52 out of 52 weeks. You could, but I'm not saying that. I'm just saying where's our priority and who do we ask first? Who do we ask first? I have, I have teenagers come to me, young adults still to this day, and they come to me and say, I know I committed. I know I'm a leader. I know I committed to the house of God. I know I made a commitment to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to put him first. But my coach says, I was like, when was the last time you went to your coach and said, I know you told me to come to this extra practice. You told me to come to this extra thing. But my God says, we don't do that. That's not, that's like weird. That's like really weird. And you go to those things to provide for you. And and only God can provide for you. Truly. Like you might see a little fruit. It's kind of like Jesus is the vine, like he says, and we're the branches. And when we're attached to him, we see some fruit in our lives. And we see some greenery coming up. And we're like, wow. And then we detach because we got fruit now. And we are. We got some greenery. We stand over here. And there's still a little fruit because it didn't die right away. God's, the joy is still there. The peace is still there. The, the success and the prosperity. Is, God, God's blessings are still there. But eventually they wither out. And they're like, why is it not coming back? Like it used to come back. It used to come back every season. It used to be sustained. What's going on? And God's sitting over there like, I'm the vine. Apart from me, you, you have nothing. And we get caught up with the fruit. I've done it. I've put, my, I've put God's opportunities he gave me as a God before God. I've put the gifts and abilities he gave me as a God before God. I put the blessings he gave me as the God before God. And now I'm detaching from the vine, the true vine, where life actually comes from. Sooner or later, I get frustrated. What's going on? He's saying, you need a realignment. You need a realignment. First thing first. And Jesus' priority was seek first. The kingdom and righteousness. The kingdom is simply the cause of Christ. That is the church. 
That is, that is the, the mission of the church, to advance the kingdom and win more people for Jesus and tell people about the love of Jesus, that without him you're going to hell and with him you have access and forgiveness and grace and mercy and the blood of Jesus has washed away your sins. And then righteousness, which is simply the life where we pursue living right. Where when the stoplight goes red, we stop. Not because there's a cop around. And not because, you know, you could look around and say, you know what, there's no cars. I'm running late. There's no cop in sight. Do I really need to do this? I know it's the rule. I know I got my license based on knowing this rule. But ah, just this one time, I can maybe just, no one's going to know. It's not going to hurt. It's a calculated risk. I'll be safe and I'll just go for it. That's how we approach sin. No one's going to know. No one's going to catch that. No one's going to catch me having that affair. It's not going to really hurt anyone. No one's going to catch my addiction that I have on the side and I keep it really secret. No, and and I've, I've calculated that. I'm really smart. I figured it out. There's no one around. It's not going to hurt anybody. Righteousness is, is not doing right because you might get caught. Righteousness is doing right because it's the right thing. Regardless. So he said, seek kingdom and righteousness, and then all these other things will be added. And seeking doesn't mean just sitting there and letting something hit you across the side of the head. Sometimes we come to the house of God like that. All right, God, do something. Show up. Say something to me. Seek means pursue, study, explore, research. Seeking is intentional. If I had an envelope with $1,000 cash hidden somewhere in this room, and I told five of you, those five are gonna look really weird. Because they'll be on their knees, they'll be lifting up chairs, they'll be moving things, they'll be going around the corner, they'll be looking under the camera, they'll be sneaking backstage, they'll be going up to the top, back down, up to the top, back down, because they know that there's something valuable here and they are seeking it. And everybody else that's hanging out, social club, on their phone, chilling, being bored, they're like, what is up with those people? But I'm telling you there, sometimes we come into the house we come into God's presence. We can go through life and just be bored and just be mundane. But there's a few of us, there's a remnant of us that are seeking him. And it looks kind of weird because we have our hands up. We have tears coming down our eyes. We have, we have, we're on our knees sometimes. And it looks weird to everybody else. That's okay. Let it look weird to everybody else because you're seeking. Because he says, seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Seek me. Seek me. Psalm 63 and 1 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. Psalm 9 and 10 says, Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 27 8, My heart says of you, Lord, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. I'm not just seeking his hand anymore and what he wants to give me. I want to know him. Psalm 34 10 says, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord, will lack no good thing. A.W. Tozer puts it like this, there will be no manifestation of the presence of God apart from fervent seeking. We're cheating ourselves when we ignore that call to seek him. What do you do first when you're in trouble? What do you do first when someone mistreats you? What do you do first when you see injustice? Turn on the news? 
read some posts about it, then make your opinion? Or do you seek him first? What do you do when you have a nightmare? What do you do when you have a, when you have a child that's slowly veering away from the Lord? Yell first? Who do you call first? What do you do when you open up that hospital bill and it's more than you could afford? What do you do when, when you get that doctor's report and it makes your heart beat out of your chest? Who do you call first? Who do you call first? I've learned to call on the name of Jesus. And again, I didn't do it because I was special or I knew so much. I didn't know much. I remember I had a nightmare one time as a teenager and it just freaked me right out. You ever wake up? Is this just me? You ever wake up? And I, and I knew the Lord. I woke up and I felt like something was in my room. You ever had one of those? I felt like something, it was dark in my room. I felt there was something in that room. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is ridiculous. I don't know. But I felt I had to use the restroom. And I was like, man, I don't want to get out of bed right now. I just feel like there's something in here. I ain't know much, you know. I didn't have all these, I was a minister, I wasn't a preacher, I was just a kid, and I, and I didn't know much, but I knew I had a little Gideon's Bible on my side table, and I just grabbed that thing, and I clutched it by my heart, and I just said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I didn't know what to pray, I didn't know what to say, I didn't even know what this was, but I just knew if I called on the name of Jesus, I didn't memorize the Ten Commandments yet, I didn't know anything about that, I just knew that there was power in the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, and fear started lifting, and darkness started lifting, and the heaviness started lifting, and the anxiety and fear started lifting. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't know if anybody knows there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power when we call on his name, Jesus. I didn't know anything else. I didn't know what to say. I just said, Jesus. And before you know it, I was able to get up out of the bed. Bible still clutched. I, I, I tiptoed over to my bedroom light, turned that on, nothing. Go down the hall, turn on that light, turn on that light, turn on that light, turn on, you know what I'm talking about? Nothing. Get to the bathroom, turn on that light, nothing. And I was like, Whew. and then little did I know my finger had been clenched in the middle of the Bible. And it was one of those Gideon's New Testament, but also had Psalms in it, in the back. And then I opened it up and right to Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There's shadows, there's death, there's darkness, but I'm not afraid because you are with me. I'll never forget this. I don't know much. I don't know much, but I didn't just put God first because someone told me to. I put God first because I started seeing that if I call on the name of Jesus first, if I call on him first, he is righteous, he is graceful, he is merciful, he is mighty, he is powerful, he can break every stronghold in your life, he can break the curse off of your children, he can break the curse off of your finances, he can break fear off of your life, he can break depression. Somebody walked in here today with suicidal thoughts, somebody walked in here or is watching online saying this is my last chance, I was coming to God today and if it didn't work, tonight is the night I'm ending it all. Jesus came to tell you that he has walked into the room and if you put him first, if you put him to seek, forget everybody else, seek him first. Seek him first. Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I wanna encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com 
slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.